Welcome to the Unplugged Podcast, where we believe that if you can breathe, you can meditate. All of the answers lie within you, and that you are one meditation away from feeling 10 times better. Today, you'll hear from the best meditation instructors in the world, whose only intention is to help you experience the life-changing benefits of meditation. Hi, I'm Susie from the Unplugged Podcast, and I'm so excited to have John Vossler on here, who is one of our incredible teachers on the Unplugged Meditation app. He's also led some insane workshops at the studio, and I'm so excited to learn more about John. You know, you meet these teachers and they blow your mind, but what's more interesting is how did they get there? What were they before? How did they learn how to become a meditation instructor? How did, what was their journey like? So this is what this is all about. Just listening and learning from other people's journeys. John, welcome to the Unplugged Podcast. Thank you, Susie. It's great to be with you. I appreciate our time together. Me too. All right. So usually what I ask is for, and I like to not speak that much, is for you to kind of start with who are you? Where'd you come from? How did you end up in this crazy business? What did you do before that? What are you doing now? What's the big dream and vision? Wow. Well, that's a nice setup. We're, I was born a second child of a mother in Iowa. No, that's a true story. Really? Um, yeah, it's a true story. So, you know, how, how I normally start um, is just to really do a little backdrop. And, and again, I think I always like to drop the bomb that my dad was a funeral home director because it always piques peri- everybody's curiosity. But my dad was a funeral home director. And so we were raised in the uh, funeral home for three or four years we lived there. So I was really um, revealed the word empathy came into my life very early and seeing my dad care for so many people that had lost loved ones and had gone through things. But what also was revealed to me during that time was that I was much more than just this body and mind and emotions, that there was something far more um, palpable or or an energy that was there that um, was revealed to me quite early. Um, so, but the story continues that I, I left Iowa, as most people do, you're either going to go in the funeral home business or fertilizer. And so I decided to move West. I was either going to go to the East coast or the West coast. New York was still cold. So I went West, uh, to pursue acting actually, because I felt I wanted to express myself in different characters. And so I came out here to be an actor, which turned out to be quite fun and enjoyed it, but it was kind of anticlimactic. I still felt like I was chasing the doer in me. I was chasing that needing to be acknowledged for doing something. So I went back to school to become a marriage family counselor and uh, pursued becoming psychologist. And I did it for a few years and all of a sudden I realized I'm like, this isn't it for me either. I'm a poor, I'm kind of a more of a direct guy. I like to just be able to be one-on-one with people and share my experiences and I kind of didn't really do well with that ethics aspect where you don't share about yourself. You have to keep yourself kind of in check. So I went back to school, became a massage therapist, a body worker, a somatic emotional release therapist, a cranial sacral therapist, a Pilates instructor, a yoga instructor, and yes, arriving at the door of Yoga Nidra. And uh, it's been a journey to find that what I was really seeking was there from the very beginning, and that was just being um, but uh, I studied quite a bit, um, and I, I feel like a lot of the study just kept revealing the same thing to me, was that the path of your presence is what transforms people's lives, but it transforms your own life first. 
And then when you interact with other people, you start recognizing being present to each other, just like you and I, when we get together, there's an energy that's between us. And there's a shift in that quality of consciousness when we're together. And I found that with um, meditation, that I could easily drop into this field in which um, I could relate with people in a way that wasn't of mind, but was of that bigger perspective. And that may sound kumbaya to most people, but in this population, people understand what I'm talking about. So I went back to school and studied um, meditation. I also met a living yoga master who invited me to come study with he and his daughter, um, Yogi Shwarya Kamini Desai. So I studied their program of I Am Yoga Nidra for many, many years. I met another gentleman named Dr. Richard Miller, who I also studied with, uh, who created iRest or Integrative Restoration um, Meditation. And so that became sort of the foundation of my teachings. I mean, I'd already meditated. I'd already had a practice. As a body worker, you really need to be in a practice to order to be with one another. So I incorporated my bodywork practice and my meditation practice, and I created um, what I called body therapy. And I've been doing that for quite a while. And then all of a sudden I pared down and realized meditation was the thing for me. Being one-on-one -on -one or in a collective, going on retreat, being with people just as they are. So I created Tri-Being. It's a Tri-Being community where we meet with a collective, a, a social interaction with people where we come together and we, we share what our issues are and what's showing up that's keeping us from being happy. We learn that in each moment we get to choose how to be in that moment and we can start living our life a little bit more like divine embodiments that we are. So, I mean, that's a long, that was me going on and on and on. Not even long enough. Yeah, that was it. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm now teaching it with you at Unplug. And I'm so happy about that. Well, you also go to India a lot. I mean, do you even know how many times you've been there? And what do you do on those trips? Well, in the beginning, I was being invited to go on these trips to teach different aspects of the certification program for the uh, I Am Yoga Nidra certification program. Mm -hmm. And then I started going back again, just for my self-exploration, because I really find being there it's a perspective shift. It really allows you to feel a sense of gratitude, but also it just deepens who you are in the experience of being. Um, and so now I go on retreat. So I'm taking a retreat, um, India 2022 in January. We will take 20 people and we'll travel around the Ganges and have yoga and yoga nidra, meditation, pranayam, see the sights. But I think of all the things about India for me, is there's an a vibration there, a frequency that when I go there, I feel like I'm home. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like you have to be willing to surrender your ego there. You have to like, you have to be on your game because in any moment you could really, it could be the end. Um, but the surrendering of the ego became apparent to me because it's about being of service there it's about letting go of trying to be anything other than just be in the experience and mm -hmm. let the experience be so rewarding each moment waking up there and meeting the people and you know i felt very you know honored to be able to even teach there i mean again a white guy from iowa okay come on let me just put that in a picture and see how that goes down but meeting the people in the ashram meeting the people on the street and realizing that we all have one thing in common, and that is that we have a mind, it has thoughts, and I want to be in a different relationship with those thoughts. And that by using a thought, we can access that true essence of who we are. Not like 
suppress the thoughts or push them away, but like actually use them as pointers or messengers back to our true essence. And so India, the experience itself, whether it was the smell, the, 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 I'm not going to go into it. If you've not been to India, I highly recommend going there. And I've never it been. Oh that? my gosh. You need to go. It is, it's a game changer. It's a life changer. Mm -hmm. But now I, I can see all of that is, it's all part of me, but it's also a, a way of understanding how the practice of meditation can allow you to be with things that make you feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that if something is uncomfortable, there's an opportunity there for you to grow and to learn. Because in essence, we're really about self-inquiry, right? Our, our lives are about self-inquiry to take care of ourselves so we can be of service to others. Mm -hmm. And India is that place where you're on the edge of learning every single day you wake up there. And I'll continue to go back there again and again and again. It's, 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 it's a... It's a transformational experience that reminds me of the, the truth of who I am and that I am extremely grateful to be embodied in this body, living where I do and experiencing life that I could do. Do you take strangers with you or do you take the same people? Like how, do, what is that like? You know, in the past, I've just taken my own students and, and, and taking them there. But um, two years ago, we opened it up just to anybody that wanted to go. And in 2022, now we're just opening it up to everybody. Um, in the beginning, Susie, I'm not going to lie, it was more of like we're staying at ashrams and we're, we're kind of doing it that way. I'm, you know, of the belief now it's like, well, if you can experience a nice, luxurious vacation in India and still enjoy, you know, going to ashrams, um, that's the tour I wanted to offer. I wanted to offer it for people that might not feel comfortable sleeping overnight in an ashram and, and not having some of the accoutrements that they're used to. So now we just invite anybody and it's, it's a limited to 20 people though. And again, mm -hmm. it's, it is, um, you want to make sure you have capacity to travel. You want to have, it's going to be active. It's physical, it's mental, it's emotionally all challenging on all levels. Mm -hmm. um, but I can promise you this when, when you've experienced the moments that we have in India, you will never forget forget it. It's a, it's a life-changing experience. And please wow. come. It's January. Next I know. Year. I'm like, you know, I, David G goes too. And I'm like, I need to go. I have to go. I want to go. Now you're friends with a lot of people in this industry. Yeah. I'd like to hear about, like, I mean, what year did you move here? When, what year was it you started getting into it? And how is it different from like, when you started getting into the whole spiritual LA, because when people think of Los Angeles, they think of like the spiritual epicenter of the United States and maybe even the world. Yeah. Um, what's your take on that? Well, I have to agree. I mean, when I first moved out here, it was, you know, everyone joked that oh, you're going to go to La La Land. There's no substance. There's no foundation. Everyone's trying to get a Botox shot or a new breasts. And it's just sort of like to each their own, whatever it is that you need to do for yourself to make yourself whole and complete, even though you don't need to do anything to yourself to make yourself whole and complete. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think for me, you know, when I first moved out here, I was, um, I was aware that there was a lot of fake personas going on. A lot of people like putting on that I'm, I'm a teacher of, you know, spiritual teachers. And then when you start to, the curtain would open and you'd see what was behind it. Like, well, you're not necessarily walking that walk that you say you're walking, mm -hmm. but you're definitely got the great persona going. But I would say over the last, I don't know, five or 10 years, 
I've seen a deepening here in Los Angeles. I mean, my own classes when we were before pre-COVID, my classes started to actually um, build and we had a community of people that were interested in doing the practices, um, remembering who they are, and then taking those practices and serving other communities. Mm -hmm. um, so I've seen that over the last five or maybe this last seven years, I've seen that shift um, from when I first moved out here. And, and you know, I think partly a lot of people came to LA because of the, I'm going to be a movie star. I want to be an actor. I want to do all of those things. And to be quite honest, that's why I moved out here. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to do commercials and TV and dance. And then you realize that what we're seeking is something external of ourselves to make ourselves feel whole. Mm -hmm. And then once I started doing these practices, I recognized that what I was seeking wasn't outside of myself. It was actually inside of myself. Mm -hmm. And then I started meeting more like-minded people, people that felt the same way. And the more that you have a collective around you, the more that vibration or that frequency or that energy starts to bring more and more people together that could share in that. Um, but I don't, you know, I'm a big fan of LA. I mean, I'm, I love Los Angeles. I have met some of the most extraordinary people out here and people who are in this industry that you would think that would, you would probably not think had anything to do with spirituality or meditation. Mm -hmm. And so there's an undercurrent that's out here. That's the foundation, I think, of this industry, if you will, that's doing this work. Mm -hmm. And I think you're seeing more and more of those people rising to the surface and starting to share. I think back then, everyone was like kind of embarrassed. Oh, that John Vosser, he's super kumbaya. And now it's like, you know, kumbaya, we can joke about it. Right. But in essence, some of these people's practices is what helped survive them through 2020. And a lot of my clients and a lot of my students survived 2020 based on meditation, practices of breathwork, pranayama, all of these practices that before were taken like, you know, kind of a secret, like I'm just doing it, but I don't want to know, tell anybody about it. Right. Do you agree to that? I mean, don't you think you've seen that change? You know, it's so funny because for me, I'm not, I don't have that mindset. So when I started doing this and I was, I've always been into spirituality and I never thought it was weird mm -hmm. and I never felt embarrassed about it. Cause I always thought it was just a normal thing. And then when I came out here and met some women who were like, Oh my gosh, I'm so into that too. But I never felt like I could talk to anybody about it. And I was right. like, why we are spiritual beings. And I would like to talk about something that you touched on briefly about the way that you grew up. Because for me, when my father died, I remembered that I had a soul. I was so busy in fashion that, you know, thinking of the external that when that happened, I'm like, oh my God, God, I love everything to do with spirituality. I believe in all these different wacky things. Like I could go out there. Mm -hmm. um, but something that I want to talk about is how death really does impact you in a way. And you had a lot of death around you growing up, mm -hmm. not even your own family's death, but just being growing up in a funeral home. Mm -hmm. So what's your take on that? Mm -hmm. I know you're a big believer in karma and, you know, how are we, how should we live this life to have the best life ever? Live in the present moment. I mean, it's simple. Follow your breath, live in the present moment. If you're in reaction, you're working out some karma. If you're in response, you're in the flow with your vital life force. I mean, I don't overcomplicate when I teach. Mm -hmm. You get to choose how to be in every moment, right? 
-hmm. I think for me, when the first time I recognized I wasn't just a body and a, and, a, and a mind was a very traumatic story, living at the funeral home and watching a young child come through that had passed away. And I realized that that young child didn't live a life. I mean, they were, they, they were already gone and they were very, you know, not much older than I was. Nice. But I just remember, you know, my dad was very, not just empathetic, but he, there was something very deep and, and spiritual about him. And both my parents were that way, where, you know, I would hear these things that they would say, well, that's, that's the expression they had this time. Or my grandmother would say it differently. She'd be like, well, that child came in and did what it was supposed to do. And God needed that child back. It's going to be coming back down in a different form. And I would be just like, what are you people talking about? You're kind of loops. But it isn't until you really experience a, a deepening within yourself where you start to realize that you're the space in which this body arises kinesthetically. I mean, we can mentally talk about it, but it isn't until you drop into that spaciousness, that, that silent stillness where you realize I'm like, wow, I'm the space in which this experience is happening. That's a game changer for me. Mm -hmm. And when you're, you mentioned your dad passing for me, you know, when my mom passed, I remember the day, you know, and, it, and she was very young. She had dementia from 58 to 68. Wow. And it was a struggle for those 10 years. But what I kept coming back to is she was in the moment. She had to be in the moment. That's all she had. And it reminded me of the importance of how we live our life. A lot of us are all future-based, or I wish I could have changed the past the way it was. But mm -hmm. my mom would always be like, she'd put her hands like this and some of the final words are like, this is all there is, this one moment. Or mom, I need to think about the future. And she'd go like this, it's over your head. You can't do anything about it. So she had gestures that would just explain what it is that we were teaching. Mm -hmm. And then the day that she passed away, I remember it was like about 1.14 in the afternoon. And I just felt light. I felt like an energy. It's going to make me cry. There was like an energy that surrounded me. Mm -hmm. And it felt like it came into me and it was part of me. Mm -hmm. And I just remember that I always heard that, you know, we're a field of energy and, and, and we're a vibration in it. But it wasn't until that moment that I realized I'm like, we are all one vibration. Mm -hmm. And that when someone transpires or when someone transitions, they're still part of you. They're even more part of your full expression. And I just remember that feeling of that white light, the energy and that pulse in my body. And I just remember like, oh, my God, it's, I looked at the time. And then I had just left the desert for my mom and I called my dad. And I'm like, what happened? I go, she just passed. And it was just one of those moments where I just felt so connected to divine God, whatever you want to call it, Shiva, divinity, space of awareness, God, you name it, you call it what it is. For mm -hmm. me, it was the closest to divinity I think I'd ever felt. And it just made me feel like everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Everything's going to be okay. Just stay present to each moment. Take a breath in. You're going to get bitchy. You're going to get gripey. You're going to have hate. You're going to have love, but be with it. Don't not play all of the keys on the piano. Live your life to the fullest. So. Love that. Yeah. Wow. Um, so how do you be present when you are someone who's constantly trying to get to the next place? So like in work, for instance, you're always trying to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Mm. How do you really stay 100% present? And do you? I don't necessarily think you do. I mean, I think presence is always revealed to us being present. But I think that, you know, things come up, right? I mean, attention is contracted around an object, around a thought, around a doing, around an emotion, um, around a memory. 
So I think the real challenge is, is that every morning you wake up and remember who you are and you start your day fresh with a meditation to remember, you know, pop on one of the apps and get on your app and pop on a, a meditation. Because the key thing for me that's really worked is if I wake up in the morning and I connect to source or connect to the divine in that morning, I remember who I am. So then I show up all day with the tools that I have worked into my being to make mm -hmm. that unfold all day. And then at the end of the day, if I have an opportunity, depends on my day. I know before I go to bed at night, I'll just kind of review the day and check back in and be like, okay, the embodiment of the divine called John made it through today. But let me go on. So let's just say that you wake up and you remember the truth of who you are and the day goes great. And then all of a sudden something tumultuous happens. Something at work is overwhelming or you find a loved one that's lied to you or whatever. Those are the moments where you use your breath as the bridge. Mm -hmm. those are the moments all you got to do is take a few breaths get your nervous system back on your sign the minute you recognize that the most power you have is within your nervous system if you can take a deep breath and be calm trust what's response will come through you i think those are the moments where you disrupt an old karmic pattern if you will or an old way of being where i'm going to be reactive i can't believe they did this and you go into the fight and flee thing breathe Drop from thinking and doing into feeling and being and just take a pause. Nothing's going to happen in between that time that you take a breath. And if something were to happen, the primal needs of your body will protect you. So stop thinking like, well, I need to do something. No, you don't. Take a breath. Drop into your being. Sense what you're feeling. Refocus. What's your intention for today? As you always talk about this on your videos, like what's your intention, right? Set the intention for the day. And regardless of like my intention today is to release the need to manage and control anything outside of myself. That's a beautiful intention. Mm -hmm. During the day, shit, stuff's going to show up that you're okay. going to want to control and manage. But that's the time that you go, oh, here I am recognizing I'm in an old behavior of trying to control it. Mm -hmm. Let me remember my intention. Take a breath in, repeat my intention. And all of a sudden you've disrupted that old pattern. And allow the breath to drop you in and then realize I can let go of that. Or you know what? I definitely need to manage that a little bit differently. I love how you said the bridge. So you were talking about the bridge between you and them. You were talking about the bridge between the circumstance and getting back inside of yourself. And I never really thought about that, but I think it is such an important way to language around what we do. Mm -hmm. It's that bridge back into your body that bridge back into the present moment. Mm -hmm. I'm so into that. You say so many brilliant things that we have so many unbelievable podcasts where they're like actually app meditations that are so good that I love karma cleansing and the concept of that because we all need to do it. We need the bad vibes to be gone. Any <laughs> tips on that? Yeah, so, and I'm gonna jump in on this. I, I heard you saying it. So. There is, to me, like the bad vibes. What if the bad vibes was nothing more than an envoy saying, hey, pay attention. And that paying attention means all it's looking for is your attention. So that bad vibe is nothing more than another messenger. I mean, listen, you can't have happy without crappy, right? But we always love happy. We don't necessarily like crappy. But what if crappy was the same messenger, right? They're two sides of the same coin. Why not use those bad vibes like, oh, I've got bad vibes right now. Well, what's showing up right now? As opposed to, I don't want bad vibes. I want them out. It's like, no, everything is part of you. Why would you get rid of any part of you? Everything mm -hmm. is you. 
So now bad vibes is sort of like, oh, that's like an envoy. That's like a messenger. What's coming up for me? Oh, this person isn't treating me with respect or, oh, this person doesn't feel right to me. Well, what's within you that's showing up? Because it's really, let's be honest, reality is impersonal. Reality mm -hmm. isn't coming at you. It's how you're being with reality. Mm -hmm. and, and I think partially, I think when you have those moments where you feel uncomfortable or have anxiety or those things, there's a message in there. Attend to your health, breathe, drop in, recognize what's showing up when that situation occurs, because there might be even a theme or an understanding or a discernment that can come from being with something as opposed to trying to get rid of something, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, what's up next for you? Let's go into the future. Where okay. is John Bossler five <laughs> years from now? Well, I'm just looking forward to Esalen in about three weeks or in May, I'm going back up to Esalen and we're doing actually live retreats again. Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking forward to that. I think for me in the future, what I'm looking forward to is building this tribe being community and recognizing that we can build a community and to be able to help people, whether it's on retreat, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's um, workshops or trainings. I think for me, that is my future. My future is to for me, it's changing or shifting the quality of consciousness, that vibration within myself and those around and help people reduce suffering that they're, oh, how do I want to say that? Hold on. I don't want to get a reaction. <laughs> help people recognize that they get to choose how to be in the moment. You're going to suffer, right? You're going to have moments of discomfort, but how can you be with those? And how can you be with the joy in the same way? And just allow people to be who they're here to be and to live the life that they were meant to be, the full expression. Don't be small people. This is it. This, at least in this embodiment, let's live it. Let's do it. You can't do it wrong. Yeah. Anyway. And what do you say when people say, what is bad karma? I say that karma really, the word karma for me just means action. And a cognitive word came in that added bad to it. That's your mind saying, I like it or I don't like it. And so I say, I don't necessarily think karma, there's bad karma. I think there's karma that's an act that can be, a, um, that can be informing and that karma means action. You get to choose. You can choose on from a past experience, Susie, and stay miserable and keep doing the same thing over banging your head against the wall. Mm -hmm. You're the one that gets to change whether or not you want to bang your head against the wall. So if something keeps happening to you and you say, go, I'm just have bad karma. No, you're just not making the choice that's informing. You're making a choice that's limiting you. Well, you will be going to India, you'll be going to Esalen, and you are also available on the Unplugged Meditation app. So I am. People who want to experience your karma cleansing and your yoga nidra and all the amazing meditations we have it. John, thank you so much for just sharing. I love this. I love learning about you. Thank You're you. amazing. And I learned so much and I'll be quoting you out in the world. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're just the sweetest thing ever. And I just love what you're doing and, and what you've done and how you continue to evolve. And I'm, I'm honored to know you. And honestly, I'm inspired by how and what you do. So thank you. I really do appreciate you. Thank you.